Merry Christmas uh, 2020 Advent season. We've been looking at some names of Jesus, uh, man of sorrows, son of man, bread of life. Today we'll be looking at Emmanuel. The Gospels of Matthew, Luke, and John, they give us different perspectives, different backgrounds to the incarnation of Jesus Christ. And Mark doesn't give us this perspective, while John gives us a, a really, really broad perspective of it. John writes of Jesus as the eternal word who was in the beginning with God, who takes on the flesh at the incarnation. And John's perspective of the incarnation is one that is an eternal one. Luke takes on a different perspective. Luke writes of the incarnation of Jesus Christ through prophecies. He, he writes about promises and, and introduces us to John the Baptist, the forerunner to Jesus incarnate. And then Matthew gives us uh, yet another perspective. Matthew gives us the genealogy of Jesus Christ, and we won't go through those first 17 verses, but we will be looking at Matthew chapter 1 today. And I'll summarize that genealogy with this, that Matthew is establishing the identity of Jesus. So let's just take a look at verse 1, and it reads, The book of genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Son of David, meaning Jesus Christ is the promised king. Son of Abraham, meaning Jesus Christ is the one whom all nations can find God's blessing. And what Matthew is doing through this genealogy is he's, he's paving the way for people to understand the magnificence and, and the wonder of Jesus Christ. And then comes this after the gene genealogy. And let's pick this up in verse 18. I'll just be reading through verses 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Matthew records for us an appeal made to Jesus. Jesus' adopting father and guardian, Joseph, in, in verse 20. And he's given the paternal responsibility in verse 25, calling the baby's name to be Jesus. And there Joseph becomes Jesus' legal father, his legal guardian. Joseph took Jesus to be his own, and he trusted God and that, that Jesus was who God said he is. Now the, now the name Jesus is, is, a, is a very common name. It's Yeshua in Hebrew. Uh, there are variations of the name Jesus. So Joshua, for example, is a variation of Jesus. 
And so you can look to Joshua's in the Bible. You look to the book of Joshua where Joshua is the one who leads the people into the promised land. He is Yeshua. Jehovah saves. Yahweh is Savior. That's Joshua's meaning, the name. And so Joshua's calling is to lead God's people into the promised land. And then there's another Joshua we can look at in Zechariah chapter 3. There's the high priest Joshua. And the high priest Joshua, Zechariah 3, he's accused by Satan because of his filthy garments. And Satan stood there accusing Joshua of his sin and guilt before God. But then the angel said to Zechariah in chapter 3 verse 4, Behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. What took place there with Joshua is what is taking place with us. That we have Satan accusing us of our filthiness, of our dirtiness. But Jesus takes away our iniquity and he clothes us in righteousness by bearing our shame, by bearing our guilt upon himself as God has accepted his sacrifice for us. And if you skip down to verse 9 of Zechariah 3, this is so beautiful, and it reads this, And I will remove the iniquity of this land in a single day. That's what Jesus did on the cross. Single day. And this prophecy from Zechariah coming true through Jesus incarnate, our high priest, as Hebrews tells us, and foretold through the high priest Joshua. Joshua, in the book of Joshua, led people to the promised land. Joshua, the high priest, gives us the picture of Jesus, but it's only Jesus who is the complete fulfillment of Messiah, of the Christ even though those other Joshua's give us a glimpse of what Jesus did. Now let's take a look at a different prophet, another prophet, the prophet Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah is the prophet referenced in verse 22 in Matthew chapter 1. And followed by what he prophesied is this, verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. This was the prophecy coming to fulfillment in Joseph and Mary in Matthew chapter 1. A promise made a long time ago to King David, to to Father Abraham, that God would be coming through their genealogy as promised by God. And this wasn't just a promise to inform us that, hey, God is coming so that he can rule over you. This is a promise that is telling us that God is with us, that he's going to come be amongst us, that God would take on the flesh and reveal himself to us in human form, showing us that God is for us, that he's not against us, bringing with him salvation. And this is the beginning of Matthew's gospel where Matthew reminds everyone of the prophet Isaiah's writing that Emmanuel, God with us, is coming, that he would come, that the son of Abraham, the blessing to the nations, is coming, that the son of David, the king of the nations, is coming, with all authority in heaven and earth, is coming. Now jump to the end of Matthew's gospel, 
Matthew 28, and this is where Jesus said this in verse 18, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority and in, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The genealogy given to us by Matthew is is setting up the scene for for the wonder and, and the arrival of Jesus Christ. Now, how so? How is this happening? It's showing us the revelation of ancient prophecy. Much of Matthew's gospel gives us the fulfillment of this ancient prophecy. Look again to verses 22 and 23. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. That ancient prophecy from Isaiah, this miraculous prophecy. I mean, have we thought about this? A virgin shall conceive and bear a son. I mean, that is a miracle. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. The prophet who is spoken of here, again, is Isaiah. And, it, and this prophecy can be found in Isaiah chapter 7. Now, the background story to Isaiah 7 is that the kingdom of Judah is under threat from Syria. And Syria has made an alliance with Ephraim against Judah. So you have Ephraim and Syria against Judah. And Judah is being reminded by Isaiah that it's only God who will provide you with refuge, with security. That's the only place you're going to be able to find it. That if Judah would remain faithful to God in order to find security from God is the only way that it could find refuge. Now King Ahaz was king of Judah at the time. He is told to ask for a sign from God. To ask for a public sign from God so that he can be reminded of God's promise to his people. But Ahaz is too proud. Ahaz is too arrogant. And King Ahaz tells Isaiah in verse 12, Isaiah 7, I will not ask. You see, Ahaz is like many, many people. That they believe in themselves to be self-sufficient. That they don't need God. Then Isaiah recorded it down in verse 14, Isaiah 7. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. That God himself would come in the flesh. Now that is the background to this prophecy. And in that background, you can see that Judah was not in their heyday. Things were very dark for Judah when Isaiah shared this prophecy. And it was during a time when, when Judah would be defeated and God's people would be exiles to Babylon. And the same thing is happening today. People are given this good news of the gospel, but they continue on their way being led into captivity, in bondage, enslaved to sin. And people will be brought to their knees under darkness, but there's this promise of deliverance that a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name 
Emmanuel. That those who trust in his son, Emmanuel, unlike King Ahaz, who, who refused to trust in the son's father, will find refuge. That they will be saved. You see, Ahaz was proud, arrogant, self-sufficient, and he, and he didn't look to God for security. He was just looking to himself. But those who will be saved by Emmanuel, which means God with us, they recognize God's promise. They recognize there, there isn't anything to boast about in ourselves. That we, we trust in the word of God. We trust in Emmanuel, in God with us. The prophet Isaiah, two chapters later in chapter 9, writes this about Emmanuel, starting in verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And this is Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end, unlike Ahaz whose reign over Judah did end. Unlike each one of us who believes we reign over our own lives, our reign will end. We all die. Jesus' reign will never end. God gave us this prophecy, and it was already given to us 2,000 years ago, and we, we celebrate this miracle during Advent. We remember the miracle of God coming to us in, in human form. And we eagerly await for Jesus' return. And as we wait, we continue to seek God's presence in our daily lives, put forth a holy effort to incarnate hope, truth, grace, love into a broken world. The world needs Advent more than it realizes in 2020. When people are falling ill to disease we, we haven't faced before, to, to political tensions that are extremely high, to livelihoods that are in trouble. We need the light of Christ to overcome that darkness. We need Emmanuel, God with us. And Matthew understands this. He goes through this entire lineage of Jesus, including the Babylonian captivity in Matthew chapter 1, verse 11. It shows the breakdown of Judah. And when it comes to this low of when we reach Jesus' point of incarnation, they are under Roman occupation. That the glory that once was in King David is now under Roman occupation. And, and the Messiah, the Christ, is, is being born into a family where Joseph is a carpenter who's betrothed to a teenage girl. And yes, it's part of the genealogy of David, but there aren't any royal robes involved. There aren't any jewels or palaces. And so we have from the majesty of King David to generations later, they don't even have a room at the inn for the birth of Christ. 
The birth of Jesus comes at this low point of Israel's history, and it's precisely at this time that the angel comes to speak to Joseph in a dream. It is at this time that the light breaks through the darkness, that hope is shining through the despair, that the prophecy is unfolding, and the Apostle Paul recognized this promise. Turn to Galatians chapter 4, starting in verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. God kept this promise to send Emmanuel. And God did this in a supernatural way. Through a virgin birth. Through Mary, this teenager. And this is just shocking, isn't it? I mean, think about this. We've all studied biology. This is not how babies are made. This is what really shocked Joseph. Even though he didn't have a formal biology class, he knew enough to know how babies were made. And Mary didn't go through that class either, but she knew enough to know how babies were made, and this is a miracle. This hasn't ever happened. It won't ever happen again. This is Emmanuel, God with us, entering our world. He enters into world history through the Holy Spirit clothed in this frail humanity. Emmanuel was an embryo. He was a fetus. He was a baby born in a cave where animals stayed. This is how God would come to us in a manger. This is how God chose to come to us. And it's through this miracle. God is a God of miracles. Look at how he created the universe. That he made all of it out of nothing. And the mystery of how God does things is still supernatural and unexplainable. When we look at the virgin birth of Jesus, there are things that are just mysterious about God, which may be shared with us when we're face to face with God, but for now, they're just a mystery. The believer recognizes that God is God and that I am not. Whereas... The unbeliever doesn't recognize God as God and that they are God of their own chosen domain, that they can choose. The believer trusts in many of God's mysterious supernatural miracles, whether that be creation or incarnation, crucifixion, resurrection, ascension. We believe Jesus' light pierces the world's darkness. In creation, light came out of darkness. In the incarnation, he entered darkness in the womb. In the crucifixion, he entered darkness in his death. In the resurrection, he entered into darkness in the tomb and came out of it in light. God pierces the darkness with his light. This is what he does for us. He gives us light, salvation, life, delivering us from darkness. And this is the love of God for you. And isn't this worthy of love in return? Isn't this worthy of worship, adoration, praise? But why virgin birth? I mean, God, you could have made it so much easier and believable if it wasn't like a story like this. Why would you, why would you have this way? Why did it have to be this way? 
And it seems to me that God is reminding us that salvation is completely reliant on Him. That it's not something that we do. That security and refuge aren't for the proud, the arrogant, and the self-reliant like Ahaz. God provides all that is necessary for refuge and security through himself. And all we prove in ourselves is that we are in need of what only God can provide. Salvation, light, life. There is nothing we contribute to the salvation of God. That God does this alone. God alone saves. Jesus took on our humanity. Sustained by the Holy Spirit. Lived in obedience to God throughout his life. That he died on the cross bearing our sins. And out of love delivers us from darkness into light. He came into the world the way that he did to experience darkness even though he never sinned. He came in the world so that we could never accuse him of not understanding what we go through. He he has gone through darkness that we'll never have to experience so that the greatest dilemma any of us will ever face is solved. That we need to be reconciled to God. And no one can ever do that on their own so God does it for us. Emmanuel, God with us. God with us because he is God for us. Jesus is God for us on the cross so that he is God with us in our life. He fully understands us. He fully empathizes with us as the book of Hebrews tells us. He fully cares for us. And Jesus alone can say with full compassion and full understanding this in Matthew chapter 11 starting in verse 28. Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy And my burden is light. King David, Jesus' incarnate ancestor, understood this of God. He wrote in Psalm 23, verse 4, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. People are going through really, really difficult times right now. I have literally reached out to hundreds of people during this time of COVID, many of which are Regen alumni. And in talking to so many people and connecting to so many people, I've heard so many stories of people who have lost loved ones, of people who have loved ones who are sick or, or they themselves are very ill, some who are going through financial troubles and relationship troubles, divorces, all sorts of very, very disheartening circumstances. And the most disheartening one for me is to hear from the ones who have admitted to me that they are no longer walking with Jesus anymore. But the answer to all the darkness we experience in life is the light Jesus brought through his incarnation. It's Emmanuel, God with us. 
Take a look at Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but God gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Emmanuel, God with us. We're all confronted with what King Ahaz was faced with. Self-sufficiency. Arrogance, pride. Will you trust God? It's the most important issue that every single person needs to deal with. Will you trust God? And if you do, you will know Emmanuel, that God is with us. Jesus who saves us from our sins, from the power of of sin and brings us into the knowledge of God. Jesus who gives us rest, sets us free from bondage and, and brings us into light. Jesus, our Savior, Emmanuel, God with us. There may be some listening today who may need to repent of their sins. And I pray that some of you are the ones that we had a chance to talk over this last month and Maybe you're the one hopefully listening in again to a message that you haven't listened to in quite a while. You haven't plugged into church in quite a while, but I hope you're listening in that there are so many blessings God has for you. But you're like Ahaz. You're like Ahaz right now. You're not acknowledging your own wrongs. You're not asking God. You're not seeking God. You're not trusting God. But Jesus came to take those burdens, to set you free from sin, to free you from the bondage that has you enslaved and keeps you from God. Trust God today. Jesus is Emmanuel. Jesus is God with us, and he has already done the work on the cross for your sins. He's inviting you to come back. Let's pray. Lord, this time of Advent, uh, thank you for all the elders who have shared and the staff that have shared the different names you've put on their heart to share. That you are a man of sorrows, your son of man, your bread of life. And today as we look at Emmanuel, God with us. We pray, Lord, that this Advent season, 
one that is so different from any year before because this year has been pretty strange. But Lord, nothing has changed in terms of you being on the throne. We ask, Lord, for revelation that you would reveal yourself to those, especially those who are lost, that those who have walked away, they would return. In Jesus' name, amen. At this time, if you have your communion elements, uh, would you bring them out? Let's take the bread together. Jesus incarnate and this bread symbolizing the incarnation, the body that Jesus took that was broken for us to reconcile us to God. That eternal plan. We take this in remembrance and commemoration and celebration of our Lord Jesus. And the fruit of the vine. Jesus clothed in humanity and always human. He bled and died so that we would be clothed with his righteousness. Let's take this in remembrance of Jesus Christ's sacrifice. Lord, your amazing divine plan that you would come down from your throne in majesty to be amongst us clothed in humanity. How humble you are. I pray, Lord, for humility within our own hearts and minds that we would not be like King Ahaz too proud to seek you and arrogant and self-sufficient. Lord, may our hearts not be hardened towards you. May we recognize what you've come to do this Advent season. In Jesus' name, amen. Merry Christmas.